0: When I joined huge games in 2015, nobody knew about TikTok, nobody knew about Bydance. The media channels that we were using at that time were, you know, a lot of ad networks and, and Facebook and Twitter and Google. And today, there's so many new names that they were not existing just five years ago. Imagine what's going to happen five years from now.
1: How does a 20-year-old games publisher stay fresh, stay young, stay vibrant? Welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored. My name is John here and we're co-hosted, of course, as always, by Peggy and Insults. Today, we're chatting with one of the icons of the mobile gaming space. I'm going to have fun with their name later. They were born in 2018 20- 2000, not 2020, 2002, 20 years ago in Poland, and now have offices and studios around the world: Tel Aviv, Las Vegas, Helsinki, London. How popular is that Las Vegas, you know, office? I got to go visit them and look. La- I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Peggy, who are we chatting to?
2: Can I say that it is a huge company it's huge games oh, right oh, oh, oh. you wanted to play with that i know you did john you were wanting you to just stole my
1: thunder peggy thank I you stole your
2: thunder. oh no it's huge games with a huge guest we have misha Suratuk. he is director of growth at huge games as you said international games developer publisher focused on social gaming but misha misha started his career in e-commerce then moved to -to free-to-play games. He's an experienced marketer with a demonstrated history of working with social casino, match three, hyper-casual, and casual games. Covers all the bases there. He's based in Warsaw, Poland, but he's been a road warrior recently, speaking at MAU, PGC Helsinki, making the rounds at all the cool shows and the parties because I met up with him a couple of times. And he's making a comeback today because he was a mobile hero back in 2019 so he's back for an encore and it's great to have you misha
0: hi guys thanks for
1: having me we are super pumped to have you i mean what is that a mobile hero again is that a re-hero are you you know do you come back as a heroine? win get
2: reanimated <laughs> or something hero like times that yeah.
1: two, you know exactly it's the it's it's mobile heroes the sequel i, I don't know i like that, that. One out. but uh you know, Peggy already did it, so she totally stole what I was going to do, but I mean, listen, in the games industry, in the mobile space, you see huge games all the time, and every time I see it, I want to say huge. I mean, does everybody have that? Is that just weirdos like us? What What's going on here, Misha?
0: everyone does it. And I must admit, this is a great name for the company, especially that it's spelled with three U's. So it doesn't give you any other option to pronounce this name. And every time I'm using English for work or for non-work related reasons, I hear the word huge. It's always automatically associated with my company. So it's, it, it's a good branding name. Let me tell you that.
1: Nice. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cool. Well, let's talk about you and kind of your origin story. You've had a pretty cool kind of progression of your career, as Peggy talked about. What got you started? And what's kind of the wildest journey, detour, shortcut that you took?
0: Yeah, so I started mobile in mobile. Marketing 2013. I actually just finished my school. I went for Exchange. I came back and I just went for the Friends Gathering where I met my next uh, next boss. And he just happened to be hiring for the mobile startup that we were selling audiobooks. And it was the year where Facebook just announced the mobile app install campaigns. Twitter didn't even have the app install product yet. So it was really kind of doing. The things that now there is a lot of automation that is doing it for you. But at that time, it was physically creating campaigns and optimizing that. And that's why I met another friend of mine who later introduced me to huge games. And he was in the company when the company just got first round of funding and they were looking for somebody to join the marketing team. I was the third person hired in the marketing team. And I guess my secret here, or maybe how I, what's the detour that I took is really joining the fast growing startup that has a lot of growth opportunities so that's what enabled me to be at the role that i am today because of just doing hard work that all of us are doing anyway it's much more rewarding to do it in startup if anyone is interested in growing their career possibilities because they are just right there there is another round of funding another growth is coming the team is getting bigger And if you're interested in being team leader or later grow as individual in the professional ladder, that's the place to be.
1: This is the one tip, Peggy, that you got to give to people who are just coming out of school. Pick a company that's going to win. I mean, you know, you don't (laughs) have... (laughs) There you go. It's easy. No problem. Pick a company that's going to win and and you're going to be successful.
2: (laughs) Well, one thing you said about your journey Back in 2019, when we first spoke, Misha, you were into mobile marketing because you said it pushes you to your limits. Now, either you love it or you're a masochist. I haven't figured that one out. But what's the best part of that? What do you mean pushing to your limits? What's so enjoyable about that? Maybe this is the question.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I love the innovation in mobile games and mobile marketing. That's what what pushes me to do new things. It's it's never boring. Uh, the next day you come you come to work, there is something new happening, some new game genre, some new game company. The companies that are currently big, when I joined huge games in 2015, nobody knew about TikTok, nobody knew about By dance The media channels that we using were we using that time were. know a lot of ad networks and and facebook and twitter and google and today there's so many new names that they were not existing just five years ago imagine what's going to happen five years from now when i joined my studies mobile devices were not existing i started studying Mm -hmm. in 20 2006 iphone was released in 2007 so the Mm -hmm. my my current role of being director of growth at the mobile gaming company was non-existent just when I started studying in the university. So the, my sister currently, for example, that is studying, I don't know where she's going to be working, with, she will finish in 10 years from now. She's probably going to be doing something that is not yet being innovative. So the best thing to be in the place that, that we are is all the innovation that is just around us.
2: So that's the exciting part, but everything has a downside. What's the most frustrating part of being in mobile marketing right now?
1: I know. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I'm going to jump in on Misha. He's so excited about the innovation of ATT and iOS 14. Yeah, exactly. It makes it, <laughs> Sorry, it Misha. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> but
0: I, I'm going to I'm going to take it a little bit on the higher level. That is true, actually. So, because there is so much innovation, so much changes, there is relatively little stability. If you were to be in some other marketing Mm -hmm. field. If you were to work in traditional FMCG or any other big, big production company, the marketing would be the same as as it was 20 years ago. But in in the current field that we are, there is relatively little stability. If you want to do the same thing for the next month or years to come, you should be somewhere else right here. uh, You should be okay with coming to work and almost doing something else that you were doing yesterday because there is a new privacy policy and new regulations or, or new devices being available everything is just not as stable as maybe our parents are used to be
1: so you joined huge games i still want to say huge but you joined huge games you're now head of growth what's that look like what's your daily routine like yeah so, actually,
0: when I joined Huge Games, I was uh, responsible for doing marketing campaigns for the only game at that time that we had at the big scale, Huge Casino. Currently, we have uh, more games, and up until July of this year, I was responsible, as you mentioned, for the growth area. So majority of my team members were the UA experts, the user acquisition experts that were responsible for growth of our newer titles. So we were investing a lot of time and money into building our own games and and publishing third party games but also acquiring studios so we had a separated team that was focusing only on growing this newer franchise now we did a little bit of restructuring and currently my role is taking care of non-user acquisition parts of performance marketing so what i mean by that i'm responsible for creative performance and creative production teams in huge games but also for the organic growth team so that is also known as app store optimization team so teams that are taking care of the performance marketing, but not from the paid perspective. So non-user acquisition teams. And these individuals are based in our three offices in Warsaw, where I am as well, and Tel Aviv and in Amsterdam in in the Netherlands.
2: So knowing you, you must be pretty happy because you have been focused on creative before it was cool. You're always talking about, oh, there must be something about ad creatives, how to optimize them. You're very deeply into them, but how do you approach it Currently?
0: Yeah, so uh, creative optimization we approach from different perspectives. So, first of all, the reason why marketing creatives exist is that they should help marketing campaigns be successful, meaning acquire the right users at the right scale, uh, meaning growing scale. Now, not all the media channels actually require marketing creatives. For some of them, like TikTok mentioned or Facebook, marketing creatives are really important and really needed. Without them, you can't even go forward and they have to be refreshed all the time to acquire the right users because those are the discovery channels. But there are other sort of channels where marketing creatives are uh, advised but not necessary. And those, I, I can give the example of incentivized game ad networks where the marketing creative could be uploaded to highlight to the potential user this is what the game would look like but it doesn't have to be and there are a few other channels like that so the role of marketing creative is to make sure that the channels that have been optimized or have been used have the best marketing piece of material that is needed.
2: Mm-hmm. So as you said yourself sometimes you have to refresh the creative sometimes you don't it's a choice it's also a challenge how do you handle that challenge?
0: So the biggest challenges that we have currently in our teams, actually, is manual operational work. That's mm. what I can call the biggest challenge. What I mean by that is what you're yeah. saying. Is what I mean by that is, and it's not only in my team, but in many other teams, right? We have a lot of manual work, and the example of this manual work that I feel shouldn't be is when we have a new marketing creative being created so marketing artists spend time on actually creating this piece of art and takes days sometimes weeks then this marketing creative is being manually tested on different uh, channel with different methodologies so again somebody takes it uploads it verifies it spends money and then the third step here is taking this creative that is assuming is successful And again, applying it into business-as-usual campaign and manually pushing it on the the highest scale. So there is a lot of manual work, a lot of people involved, and I do feel that we can do much better.
2: Sounds like drudge work, as I said before. I understand it. I hear your pain. What would you tell a platform, a company, for example, maybe Facebook, that to do or change if you could, if they were listening? And of course, they are listening to our show. So do it. You have the stage.
0: Yeah. And I do think Facebook is a great example of the company that implements a lot of automation into their campaign, into their existence. Actually, prior to 2015, I believe, or even 2014 on Facebook, you can only do mobile app install or very basic optimization campaigns. Currently, you can select the, the right of optimization you want. So there is a lot of automation that system does for you. But answering your question, I would love if there is a piece of material being created and we can put it already on our business as usual uh, campaigns, but knowing that before the tool will take this creative and spend a lot of money on it to make sure that it's acquiring the right users, we wanna make sure that that creative is actually tested. So the sort of automation that could be, in my opinion, for Facebook is that when I apply new creative, the system first will spend certain amount of money, a certain, run it through a certain amount of days, or maybe uh, under a certain threshold of impressions, just to make sure that it makes sense even to allocate bigger budget. And there will be of course some sort of numbers that we have to meet. And assuming that we meet the criteria, the system will then will push the creative to the level that all of us are happy with. So instead of just grabbing it right away and spending everything that's possible. The system could automatically verify, all right, it makes sense. Give us the green light. Hey, you're good to go now hit the button and it will go skyrocketing. And instead of what it is today, which means if it spends, you don't know if it's spending good or bad, it's just spending and it may be, it may be actually wasting your money.
1: Mm that makes a ton of sense it kind of reminds me of the early days of uac on google (laughs) (laughs) you could spend a few hundred thousand dollars maybe even five or ten times that before you really got dialed in and trained the system on what you wanted what you needed Uh, let's talk a little bit about android uh we already hit on att and ios 14.5 15 16 now but you said in prep with peggy that android is your favorite playground what do you mean by that
0: yeah actually i don't remember saying that but it is true Uh, android is the favorite uh, playground or it is today Uh, it used to be another system and the reason for that is that android is not having so much privacy regulations yet as ios has Android inventory is also slightly cheaper and there is more possibilities to do creative things as of today. So what I do mean that it's a favorite playground is that it allow us to do, uh, to test our marketing hypothesis in the more cost efficient way. So if we have a new product today, if we were to develop a new game or publish a new game, we would first verify that it's very well tested on Android OS, where it would be, again, uh, cheaper and we can measure it more, uh, everything that we need. Or if we create a new marketing creative and we want to do a a test campaign for this specific creative, we would verify it on Android first. And then we may re-verify it on iOS if needed or or not needed, but we, we would go with that operation system as it just allow us to track everything we need.
1: It's super interesting, Misha, because um, let's say five, six years ago, uh, even three years ago, people would often launch first on iOS uh, and then go over to Android. Now you've seen a push towards the opposite. I like that you said and maybe re-verify on iOS because I've heard different things from marketers and some verticals, what they do on Android, hey, that translates very well to iOS and other verticals, not so much. So they have to be careful about that as you are as well. Talking about testing, what's the smallest change that you've ever made in a campaign that delivered the biggest uplift?
0: Yeah, actually, I, I want to give the example of maybe even not that small change, but we, we were working with one game some time ago that is on PvP, so player versus player battle arena kind of game. And we realized that for this specific game, we have a lot of male audience, younger male audience, audience that we want the game to be attracted to and by doing marketing research we actually decided to go a lot with influencer campaigns instead of just a regular uh, Facebook or Google UEC etc because we realized that our potential audience will be discovering those kind of products via watching YouTube etc and that's not really a small change but that was we did of course test influencer versus regular campaigns and influencers did win in terms of cost and, and scale and performance because this was the right fit of the creative to the right product. So I guess the conclusion here is we can't take what's working on one game genre or one operation system even one country and apply somewhere else. It could be that uh, completely the same country but different game genre would be not performing the same on different media channels.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So making that match is just one way to have impact, to have uplift. Overall, you know, creative testing is a constant with you and your team, even some influencer testing as well. In any case, it never stops. It's always ongoing. Now you love it, obviously, but that might not be the same for your team, right? So how do you keep them as curious and motivated as you keep yourself? What is your tip there?
0: Yeah, I don't think I have one tip here that would make everyone happy. I think my my biggest theme is Never Stop Learning. I try to make sure that my team members would always be challenged. Challenged by either operational work or the future possibilities that they have or the new creative format that exists there. So we don't want the team or the individuals to... Uh, be doing their work in a routine way. We want to make sure that there is always new innovation is always there, is always present. And one of the example examples of these innovations actually that we as a company did a few years ago is we saw that playable ads were becoming uh, more and more networks are using them. They make sense to promote your game like that. So we decided to acquire a company that is based in Amsterdam that was called Playable Platform that were a relatively small company of 10 plus people, and they were experts in doing playable ads. So instead of us working with a vendor that is doing playable ads, we decided just to have a team in-house that would be completely responsible for that. So that's how we are never stopping learning, that we, we don't even rely on somebody. We just are learning, are teaching our team by either expanding our uh, our skills or by bringing somebody who's smarter than us.
2: Great segue, because I was going to ask you about, you know, all of the ways you approach this, all of the ways you motivate your team. It's all trial and error at some level. What's the biggest learning from all of this?
0: Yeah, I think I, our biggest learning is something I will be repeating myself today a few times, but to invest in automation and try to eliminate as much manual work as possible, because in the manual work, this is where the motivation will be decreasing. The innovation will be decreasing as well. But if we can bring as much automation as possible, we can actually focus on and innovate more things that we haven't innovated yet.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that you're talking about that. And I got to talk about AI. I've been playing with Dali. I've been playing with creative diffusion, a couple other things like that, and creating AI-generated art. Do you see a future here for the ad industry, for mobile marketing industry? I
0: do. And I don't know if that's a a positive or a negative statement, but I do (laughs) believe that That humans, we're not going to be doing the job that we are doing today in maybe 10, 15 years. Just like what, 150 years ago, there was a job that I don't remember the name, but there was a person standing in the elevator and pressing the button, right? And making sure that elevator will be going up and down. So today we are doing Mm -hmm. jobs that could be eliminated in some time from now. We'll be innovating, we'll be doing other things, and we'll have AI creating ad materials for us, running campaigns, optimizing, and uh, humans will be we'll be having in other jobs
1: it's amazing if you think about it in the dawn of a pre-digital age the printing press there was a job that a typesetter right to actually Mm -hmm. put different letters in place in order to print right and that of course got automated out the 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 images that we're getting right now out of dolly and creative diffusion are mind-blowing. They're insane. They're incredible in some cases. In other cases, they're just laughable, right? Uh, A person with three fingers and one is malformed or just really, really odd things like that as well. Text is really odd on them. But I, I, I almost guarantee... Somebody right now, maybe 10 or 15 somebodies is taking an engine like Dolly or Creative Diffusion or some of the other open source ones, and they're applying it to ads and they're applying it to learn how to make ads, what's cool in an ad, what works in an ad, and just add a lot of automation there. How do you see media buying changing in this era of AI and automation?
0: Yeah, I see this automation not only being at the one media partner, but on the all media channels combined, right? So for example, today, if we operate as a company in 10, 20 media sources, and we have people who manage budget, for different media sources, for different uh, games and different countries, that we may have just AI uh, shifting budgets automatically, uploading creatives, pausing campaign, pausing budget, based not only on the short-term goals, which is could be the CPI or CPA or ROAS day, day seven, but it could be also based on the LTV. If your LTV of 12 month is getting higher, lower, AI can make actions right away. It's I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow or next year. It'll probably be another five, 10 years when we'll be at that level. But that's something for sure that, that is coming. Just a matter of time.
2: Samisha, so you've given us a lot of advice, you know, what to do about automation, what to do about creative, how to optimize it. Staying with all that advice, you've also done some pretty crazy things. I happen to know a few of them, but it's also taken you to 40 countries and counting What advice would you give to your younger self?
0: I feel I would give to my younger self advice to keep investing in human network. And the reason for that, again, we talked a lot about automation. I feel a lot of jobs will be done by machines and not us, but a lot of reasons why we may or may not be successful would be because of the networks that we have, and it would be maybe easier or harder for us to get somewhere if we know or don't know people. So I was lucky enough to be um, living in a few countries and traveling in a few more countries. And uh, currently it helps me a lot in doing my job, but also in general being a recent, uh, sorry, being a decent human being and just knowing things that are happening around- A recent around-
1: decent human being, absolutely. <laughs>
0: A recent descent, yes. So my number one advice would be invest in human network. My number two advice would be do work for technologically advanced company that is having people that are smarter than you so that you will be always pushed to the new heights and never, uh, never be at the comfortable level, always being, you will always be pushed for innovation.
1: Misha, I love that advice. I love that advice, invest in your human network. Uh, Honestly, I don't know of anybody better at that than Peggy. (laughs) She's really, really good at that. That's one of the reasons we're talking to you today. Um, so that is great advice though for young people especially young people in tech you don't think of that too often you think i'll do my job i'll have fun i'll enjoy myself i'll be incredible my job will do inc- amazing and that gets you to a certain level and that's great but having the human network guess what some people aren't smart enough to pick the right company to start with and i don't i mean that as a joke right i mean sometimes you just pick a company that that fails and you got to go someplace you need help and you need connections and you need somebody who cares about you and the way you get that is by caring about other people and investing in that network before you need it. So that is great, great advice. So Misha, let's end here. What is your least censored opinion about anything in the field of mobile marketing or mobile advertising?
0: Yeah, so my least censored opinion is that you have to be technologically advanced to be good in mobile marketing. And I don't necessarily mean that you have to be CTO or you have to know how... Algorithm works, but you have to have some sort of tech background. Either you just read a lot of blogs and you understand it, or you ha- you take some classes in school, or you currently take some additional classes. Go and. Cl- Coursera, et cetera. It will help you progress faster and understand things faster as well. I was having a few managers in my life. that were so much more technological advanced than me. And that's the reason why they were my manager and they now currently hold C level functions and not me because I'm not at the level that they are. So I will be trying to get better in the technological aspect of mobile marketing.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Love it. I I think if I kind of read between the lines there, you don't necessarily need to be a coder, but knowing a little bit about it is good. You don't necessarily need to be a data scientist, but knowing a bit about that and being able to handle and take care of your own in terms of data and everything is good. Love it. Love it. Love it. Misha, this has been a real pleasure. I want to thank you for taking this time late on your evening, late in your evening in Warsaw. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you, John.
2: And I have to say, don't worry about it, Misha. We'll have you back or someone will have you back in a couple of years and you'll be at that sea level.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Nice. You have to go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. You are in school every single day.
2: He is. He he, he sleeps and drinks it, John. That's one of the things I like about him. But no, awesome to have you.
1: Thank
0: you, Peggy. Thank you, John.
1: And thank you to all listeners. We really do appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know on social if you are.
2: And let us know if you want to come and we'll have you on the show. If you're a mobile hero or you know of someone who is, then fill out the interest form over at shorturl.at forward slash jkskt.
1: Also, Liftoff has a Slack for mobile heroes and people in the mobile ecosystem. There's a link on the screen, and if you're listening to the podcast, it's at info.liftoff.io slash slack-signup. It's pretty cool. There's smart people there, and you know what? They probably need you, too.
2: And you have probably been completely blown away by all the insights on this show, and you want your transcript. And you can have it because the transcripts are over at Liftoff's website. Go to liftoff.io, click on Heroes, and then click on Podcast.
1: I actually personally love transcripts because I read way faster than people talk. So that's a great way to get insights really, really quickly. Until next time, this is John Katz here. Thank you so much for joining.
2: And this is Peggy-Ann Saltz, signing off for Mobile Heroes Uncensored.